Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 132, and I have a guest. So I'm excited about that. We're going to be talking. We're going to be diving deep into paper clutter, not actually like diving into the paper clutter, but talking about paper clutter because I know this is a real issue. And so my guest, Taylor Flannery of Household Management 101 and other sites as well that we'll tell you about, um, she is uh, the queen of researching all these types of things and finding the best methods and the things you need to know. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I am also the author of How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, which is my book, and it's available wherever books are sold in whatever format in which books are sold. Um, and before we get started, I want to make sure you know about our sponsor for this episode, and that is PrepDish. PrepDish is a subscription-based meal planning service. Every week, you get an email. An email, not a piece of paper. You don't have to even print it out. I personally like to look at stuff like this on my computer, on my phone. You can use your iPad, whatever. But you get this email that um, has an attachment. It has um, a paleo meal plan for the week. It has a gluten-free meal plan for the week. And it has a one-hour prep time meal plan for the week. And so you can choose one of those. It gives you a shopping list, everything you need. It gives you a prep plan, which means that you will spend one to three hours prepping all of your meals, and these are like from scratch, super healthy meals, um, prepping all of that, and then you have another file that is um, your recipes, like your plans for how to actually cook those meals and serve them um, throughout the week. If you would like to try this out, Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, is offering listeners of A Slob Comes Clean a free two-week trial. Just go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean and get your free trial there. Okay. Taylor, I'm excited that you're here. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really am. I'm excited. Well, it's fun because, um, you know, we have been friends for... I have lost track of blogging time. Let me just tell you that. And let me also explain that um, I'm kind of allergy issues today. So if I sneeze or whatever, or sniffle, sorry about that. But um, okay, so Taylor and I um, had kind of met through blogging and then met at a conference and um, we brainstorm together and do things um, together. So, uh, but we talk about real similar things. But what I think is fascinating is basically what I tell people all the time, which is, um, Basically, you have to find what works for you. And there's all different ways to do this kind of stuff. And I love that we have very different styles. But um, that's why I asked you to come on here. Because you are um, the queen of just collecting amazing ideas. Um, I base everything on what works for me or doesn't work in my home. And usually when people ask me about paper clutter, which they always do, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, because <laughs> it's my least favorite. <laughs> Um, okay. So, but before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about what a day in your life looks like? Just a normal day. This has nothing to do with paper clutter. Just tell me what your normal day in your life looks like. 
All right. Well, first of all, I have a funny story about you before I tell my day in the life, which was we are blog friends from a long time ago. And I remember when I used to think your name was Noni. Yep. And it was just kind of embarrassing. We were like, well, really, my name's Dana. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So this was like five or six years ago. And I still remember that. And I'm like, oh, whoops. I know. Well, and it's funny because there are still people who still call me that who've been around for a really long time. And it's one of those unintended, like negative things. I never meant to make anybody feel dumb for not knowing my name, but it was like, oh yeah, I guess that does make people kind of, you know, sometimes some people don't well, care. Well, it, yeah. it didn't make me feel dumb. It just made me feel goofy because, you know, I was talking to you and your, even your email said Dana and I don't know why I was then thinking you're still, your name was Noni. Like it just didn't occur to me, but today in my life, we'll get back to it. I just thought that was, I just remember you were saying that, um, a day in my life, um, I work from home. And so a day in my life is get up, get my three kids off to school. If it's not the summer and then try to work really hard for a couple of hours, then I go walk every day. That's a new thing that I do. Um, you say it's new, but you've been doing that for over a year. Okay. Well, it's it's new comparatively to how long I've lived. I guess maybe <laughs> that's um, what we should say. But yeah, I have done it for over a year and I have done it five days a week and I haven't missed. Like it's been my thing. Like I'm afraid if I miss, I'm going to stop doing it. So it's one of those habits that I really um, try to keep up with. And then I go walk and then the day starts to just go insane because around that time when I get done with walking, my kids get home. And so then my day becomes really insane because they all are into sports and all into other activities. And so we start just shuttling people around to tennis and tennis is a year round thing around here, even though I live in Indiana and it's cold because there's indoor tennis. Mm. So, um, then we have dinner And then I try to relax for a little while and we get all the kids homework done, hopefully. And then we go to bed and the day starts again. I mean, that's, I think that sounds like almost anybody else's day, except for I don't drive to an office. Well, and and while we're talking about that, let's just kind of list off the different sites that you have. And I know you have a humongous, like crazy big, um, decluttering Facebook group, right? So tell us what your sites are. Yes. So I started out with household management 101 and I still have all of these sites. Um, perhaps this is one of the reasons I have, I'm crazy all the time because I have a lot of sites. (laughs) So I started with that one. I also have two other sites, stain removal 101. And that is a site where you can get not only stain removal information, but also just the how to's of cleaning and laundry. And then um, I also have a site called Home Storage Solutions 101. And on that one, which has actually grown to be the biggest of the websites, um, I have a 52-week organized home challenge. So over the course of 52 weeks, you can slowly but surely um, organize your house and develop the habits to keep it organized because that's really more important than getting it organized at one time. Right. And then from that came people saying, oh, I need to declutter. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely right. The first thing you can do before you can organize anything is to get rid of clutter. And so I started a complimentary program, um, which is, is currently free. It's called Declutter 365. And we do one mission each day that 
relatively and roughly corresponds with the 52-week challenge. So say, for example, if we're organizing the kitchen, each of the tasks that are decluttering would be organizing or decluttering the kitchen, excuse me, so that we can get to the task of organizing. And as a part of that, um, I needed a place where people could see the daily missions. And so Mm -hmm. I started the Declutter 365 Facebook group. And every day at around 8.30 in the morning, I put up that day's mission. And if there happens to be information to go along with it, I'll put up the link for that. But every single day, we have something that takes you about 15 minutes. It could take longer depending on your situation, but you can quit after 15 minutes and still feel good that you've made some progress for the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great. And that, I I think that that is the... um, that is where you excel is these details are really like your forte. I mean, you are driven and you get those done. We're talking about paper specifically today. Now I have a podcast on reducing paper clutter because that's all I will tell people how to do. Um, so my overall philosophy is take it to the, um, take it to the trash can. As soon as I come in, I have to be the one to get it from the mail. (laughs) and take it straight there. Go ahead and get rid of the things that I don't need. If you have a recycle bin, then that's what you should be using. Um, Anyway, just go straight there, do that, reduce it as much as you can, put as many bills as you can online so that you don't have to, um, you know, have those papers. But there's a lot of details, like there are a lot of details. So I have some overall questions, and then I have some questions that I asked over on my Facebook page yesterday, which I know you saw. Um, and I've got a few of those. I couldn't answer all of, I can't ask you all of them because that would take a really long time. But um, I think that I kind of took the ones that had the most likes and comments, you know, like other people are going, yes, me too, me too. Okay. Okay, so great. Tell me your overall Like, give me your overall philosophy on paper clutter. I think my overall philosophy of paper clutter is, first of all, everyone struggles with this. If they don't struggle with this, that's because they have maybe even on accident discovered some kind of tasks that they're doing on a regular basis not to struggle with it, but they're still putting forth effort into it basically every day of your life. So paper clutter is one of those never-ending battles, but you can get it to be a battle that you only wage for about five or ten minutes at a time instead of a constant source of just dread in the back of your mind, which I have experienced um, before. Sometimes I'm just afraid of what's in the paper pile and I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And I think it's when, when it's been a week or a month or three months where you haven't even spent the five minutes, then it's just such an overwhelming mass that it's like, what do I, you know? So what you're saying is just accept the fact that it's going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of your life um, until like we're in the Jetsons age and everything's digital, right? And well, you know, I think that's true, but I was, um, I'm actually looking into learning some information about paperless, um, dealing, doing your house paperless. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not sure that I'm a total fan of it yet, so I'm not necessarily recommending it, but as you said, I'm a person that does like to find out um, lots of different ways to do it because I think we're all individuals and my way that works for me, I will tell you when I find it 
um, works for me, it may not work for someone else. And I think right. that's always good for people to know so they don't feel like they failed at something. Right. On the other hand, I will always tell you when something you're going to try will not work because <laughs> like why waste your time? Exactly. But there's probably five to 10 methods that are going to work for almost anything. Organizing, just depending on what your individual preferences are and habits and that type of thing. Paperless, I am starting to learn, is going to require you to do a lot of the same types of maintenance things that you would have to do with actual paper. Mm -hmm. So I'm still not seeing it being... Um, like what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, if you have something that's paperless, they're, they're, you're still going to have to deal with organizing your digital files and you're mm -hmm. still going to have to make sure that you're backing things up properly so that nothing just kind of poofs into nothing. Um, you're still going to get the occasional piece of paper. And if you want to be truly paperless, you're going to have to then do some type of scanning or taking a picture of it or something yeah. to, um, to make it paperless and become digital. And so there's still going to be those little nagging details. And I think you're just going to have to do some of those details because what those, sometimes it's what the paper represents. You're going to get a piece of paper in the mail and you're going to have to be like, oh, now the tax, you know, people want me to fill out this form. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to fill it out online. If you don't have to fill it out on paper, you're still going to have to do it. Right. And so I think there's just a part of, of paper that is not just the paper it's the having to deal with life details and that's what's stressful. So you can make paper not as stressful, but you're still going to have to deal with life details no matter if it's paperless or not. I'm having to tell myself that you're not purposely being mean right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that, was kind of, that was kind of depressing. <laughs> it was super depressing, but it was good and that's what we're here for and people want to know. So, okay, no, but you're right. I mean, I think it's a reality check. A lot of it is just a reality check that there are things, legal things and all this that just, it's part of, you know, I have a kid who just got his permit and I'm like, honey, you're on the grid now. <laughs> I'm like, you are legal. Like you've got your name and your fingerprints and all this, you know, you are in the system and it's part of growing up, you know, is now you have to keep up with a wallet. You know, I bought this child a wallet for Easter because even though I have other kids who have wallets because they care about stuff like this, this one had never cared. And it was like, but you've, he was like, I think I need a wallet because I need to keep up with my driver's license. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So you're right. I think it's just part of a reality check, but I promise y'all she didn't mean to hurt y'all's feelings. Okay. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, think there's a, I think there's too a difference between being overwhelmed with paper, mm -hmm. which is just, oh, like there's so many things you don't know about what's in that paper pile. And it's more the anxiety, at least it is yes, for me. I mean, yes. you can get to the point where it's an actual like problem too, because you have so many papers. Trust me, I've also waded through papers um, at times. So I understand the actual physical problem with papers, but a lot of times it's more just you're worried about what the heck's in them. And yes. that's more the adulting thing yeah. that you have to worry yeah. about. And that which the adulting thing's not going to go away. Well, exactly. And that, that's my main thing. And this is with every kind of clutter is to always just look like, just say, even if I don't deal with this right now, I'm going to touch every piece of paper in this pile so that I know what's in it. And when I do that, 10 times out of 10, 
I reduced the pile significantly and I ease that anxiety like you're talking about. It's just seeing a pile of potentially super important adult related, you know, in a good way, not in a bad way, um, adult related pieces of paper, <laughs> you know, that you, that you just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Reduce that anxiety. Exactly. So talk I, about, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say what you were describing where you say, I'm the person that has to hold the mail and I'm the person that has to get it. And I go over to the trash can and I make sure I deal with it. That is exactly the same thing that I recommend to everybody. That's basically what I call the daily um, paperwork organizing session. And we're talking about two to five minutes of, of your time, but right. I feel like that right there is one of the fundamental ways that you can make sure that you're not having to deal with paper clutter. I think there's a couple other steps, but that is like the most fundamental one that you have to do on a, on a basically daily basis. Right. Which is avoiding that in-between space. It's what I call procrastination stations. You know, it's avoiding stopping and just absentmindedly placing it on the dining room table. You know, I mean that because if I don't say go to the trash can. You know, if I don't say that to myself, that's what happens. And then it becomes a pile that's overwhelming. That's actually made up of, you know, win a free car or whatever kind of advertisements that don't matter at all. Um, okay. So talk about filing systems. Like what, um, what kinds of filing systems do you find to be effective and which kinds have you found to not be effective? Okay. Well, I think first of all, when I think of paper clutter, I think there's two different types and they're not really, they're different in how old they are. Okay. There's old paper clutter. And if you haven't, if you have a filing system that's stuffed to the gills, you have a lot of probably old paper clutter within your filing system. Then you have new paper clutter. And I think that you deal with them in different ways. New paper clutter is the stuff that comes in from your kid's school, mm -hmm. like in their backpack and the mail and the bills and whatever else paper clutter you're getting. Frankly, I think that there's a difference in the way that you, you treat those things. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. The one that's really old at this point, there might be something simmering in there, but the older it is, the less likely that's the case. Mm -hmm. The stuff that's new is where you have to start really worrying about it. So if we're talking about filing systems, I would say that the first thing to do is to clear that filing cabinet out because a lot of that stuff that at one point might have been important to you and it really legitimately was important at one time to keep is complete and utter clutter trash now. It just needs to go directly to the recycling bin or to the shred pile, um, whatever it is, so that you can actually have a working system that will provide you with the stuff that you need without you having to try to shove it down into a way too full file drawer that you'll never find anything in because it's stuffed. So are you, I mean, I, I love what you're saying there. I think that's really, because I have a filing cabinet and that filing cabinet, I have not filed anything in in forever. Like, it's just, I know for a fact, I just have put off dealing with it, you know, but my current stuff is in a container, you know, paper-sized container that is a mental visual trigger for me that, okay, I'm getting too much. I need to go back through that, you know, whatever. Um, but what, like, what kind of filing container 
have you found to be most effective? Like a, a small one that you can carry from place to place or an actual filing cabinet? Um, is there, do you feel like there's a limit for a normal average family of a size that they need of a filing cabinet? You know, I'm really big on the container concept, meaning, you know, giving a limit to things instead of, oh my word, I have so many papers, I need five new filing cabinets. You know, instead of that being like, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, like what do you feel is it works what best or what have you found to work best? Okay. Well, I, as always, there's never really an easy answer because it somewhat yeah. depends. Right. And, and that's what people are like, oh my God, it somewhat depends. Please don't say that. <laughs> um, if you don't have a home business or a, or, or you do not have to keep your business paperwork, whereas you are the person that is filing taxes on the business, not as an employee, but as an employer, I think that a two drawer filing cabinet or two different, um, little file boxes mm -hmm. are enough because you're going to clear out stuff on a regular basis. And then it doesn't look like a whole lot and it doesn't seem like this big stressful thing to yeah. have, um, to have to clear it out periodically. Well, and I like that as far as the container concept to say, this is the container I have. If it's getting too full, it is, you know, if I, if I go to put stuff in it and there's not room, then that's my trigger that this is time to go back through and purge the old stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Now I will also say with that though, that you might also want to have, um, a different container that would hold the older tax returns. Okay. Tax returns are one of those things where you just have to keep them for a really long time and they're kind of bulky if when you're keeping all of your backup paperwork. So if you start running out of room, those are the types of things where you don't want to throw it away. Clearly, right. I'm not telling you to throw away your tax returns until they're at least seven years old, but you can keep them somewhere else because unless you have something, some problem with the IRS, you don't need to get to them quickly. Right. <laughs> to me, those are, because they're already decluttered down to what's important because they were actually part of the real tax return. You know, it's not just, oh my goodness, maybe, 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 and throw in there. But it's like, this was the important stuff. This was part of it. It's bulky. That is, in my opinion, valid storage. You know, like, I mean, I avoid just storing things for the sake of storing things, but that to me makes sense. You know, like having, okay, this is the place where we keep this, you know, this separate thing. That's good. Yes. And I think there's a good point in that because like I said, there's a difference between old paper clutter mm -hmm. and new paper clutter. And there is a little bit of old paper clutter that becomes what is valid storage at a certain point. It's mm -hmm. not relevant right now, but you do need to keep it. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that. What throws people off is that then they start going, but maybe everything is that. And yeah. I'll tell you the majority of it is let's throw that right in the recycle bin or to into the shredding pile. Okay. Um, what, okay. So along those lines, what, what should we keep and what, like, give me a list of yes, keep this and don't keep this. Okay. So that's a really good question. And I am not at this time practicing law, but I was in my former life a lawyer. So I will disclaim this with, I am not a lawyer at this time and I do not practice law anymore. 
<laughs> so yeah. you need to talk to a lawyer or to a tax accountant. There's my way of saying, please, you know, <laughs> yes. everybody's situation slightly different. Did everybody catch that, that Taylor was a lawyer? Okay. Okay. Got that. <laughs> But that's a really good question because that's what really starts to stress people out. Yes. It stresses me out too because I'm like, do I need to keep this for later? And you, everybody hears the horror story of the one person that threw away the one thing and then they needed it and it cost them, you know, $3,000 and, you know, a year of their life. Yeah. And so everybody's afraid to throw anything away. But I did a really, you said I'm a researcher and that's very true. So I did a very long in-depth blog post about that, including a one page summary um, information that you can have that says, how long should you keep papers? Because the blog post goes into great detail and then the cheat sheet gives you just like the one page where you can, if you're working on decluttering your papers, you can look at it and yes. go, okay, I've got to keep this for one year. I okay. can throw this away. I've got to keep this indefinitely. And you can go through the piles and feel confident in that. And that is on the Home Storage Solutions 101 site. Okay. And I will give you the link to that so okay. that you I will, yes, I will put those in the show notes. And this is just a reminder for y'all. I know I don't give quite as valuable um, links as that most of the time. <laughs> I just tell stories. Um, but that, um, you know, if you sign up for the podcast email, which you can get to on aslobchemsclean.com. Aslobchemsclean.com slash podcasts with an S. There is a special email that you can sign up for. And with that, you get an email every time a podcast comes out that just has that podcast's show notes. So it is a way for you to be alerted that there's a new podcast, but it also just means that you've got right there in an email those links directly to what we're talking about that Taylor's going to give me and I'm going to put in the show notes. This is podcast 132, 132, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So we can talk about specific things, but what I want to say is don't worry trying to write and jot information down right now while you're yeah. listening to this because I've got it all written down in a blog post and it gives all the big exceptions and all that yeah. type of thing. So you well, can give me, give me your top three. Like what are the top three things that yes, you do need to keep that. Okay. You do need to keep your tax returns for at least seven years once you've got your tax returns done, it's lovely because you've had to work on this to give it to your accountant or to get it all together for yourself and to mm -hmm. mail it into the government. So you have everything right there and you just stick that year's stuff in a big manila envelope, label it as whatever year it is, and keep it in storage basically, just mm -hmm. in case. That's an easy one. It's actually, I don't know why people get as stressed about that one once they know how easy it is to do. Yeah. Um, the one that I also think is something that surprises people that I tell them to keep for a lot longer than they may anticipate are credit card statements if you carry a balance. Okay. That one surprises people, but you got to think about that one. If you carry a balance on your credit card, you basically have taken out a loan okay. and you should always keep loan documents the entire time you have a loan. And then you always need to keep the payment statement to show that you paid off your loan at the end. I mean, that makes a sense for okay. like a formal loan with the bank, right? Right. 
but you don't think about that with your credit card because you just whip it out whenever you need it. But okay. if you carry a balance, you have a loan. And so okay. you need to keep those statements until that credit card is completely paid off. Okay. And what's your third thing? Okay. Um, something else that you do need to keep indefinitely um, is retirement statements. That's actually a big one because people will think, oh, I have the more recent ones. You can reduce the number of retirement statements you have because at, you probably get a statement either every quarter or every month. But then at the end of the year, you get a summary for the whole year. Mm -hmm. You can keep just the summary for the whole year instead of each individual statement. Okay. But you need to keep the retirement statements, at least in their summary form for that year, until you take all of your money out and it's been distributed. Okay. So again, because otherwise you might not have proof that you have that money in there if there's a, like a question a lot later. So that one surprises people, but it's actually something that you just do need to keep those. That's excellent information. No, I love that. So what are, okay. And then like we said, we'll have that link to give you even more thorough information on that. Tell me three things that people stress over that you do not need to keep. Okay. I know, I, my grandmother did this. She has passed away, so she will not be embarrassed by this. So, um, Do you think she would listen to a podcast? <laughs> she won't. Well, if she's up in heaven, maybe she'll, you know, she'll, she'll forgive me. <laughs> I meant when she was, like my mother-in-law, you know, not like I say anything bad, but like I just, I have full and complete confidence. She will never listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But, um, one thing that people a lot of times keep are pay stubs and you do need to keep your pay stubs at a certain for a certain period of time if just to prove that you you worked and until you get your summary what happens is people get at the end of the year they get their w-2 mm -hmm. or they get their 1099 or they get a yearly summary of all of the amounts that were paid because that's part of the employer doing their tax returns is they have to provide those information. So once you've got that type of thing, that summary, and you check very briefly to make sure you agree with the summary, all the backup documentation of each individual pay stub, you don't need that anymore. Okay. And then that's included with your tax return file anyway, correct? Yeah. Well, typically it is because you're going yeah. to then have a W-2 right. or a 1099, depending on how you work, um, okay. that shows how much money you made that year. Okay. Um, there could be reasons you might want to keep a summary pay stub that you wouldn't have to provide to the, um, to the government, for example, if it showed something like, this is the amount I paid into retirement, or this mm -hmm. is the amount that I was... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's more like internal things with your employer that you might want to prove. Okay. But again, once you have a summary, that's where people get into trouble. They're like, oh, I just was provided this summary and I totally agree with it. Well, that's going to be a great place to then get rid of all of the stuff you've got in the meantime mm -hmm. that you don't need anymore because you have the summary piece of paper, which is one piece of paper as opposed to 12 pieces of paper or 52 pieces of paper. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great point. So what what's some other things that people two other things? Okay. Um I think that paid bills are something that sometimes people keep um too long. Now you really don't need most bills, say your um water bill, for example. Once you pay your water bill 
and you get the next month's bill and are confirmed that you did get the credit for the previous month, you don't really need that water bill anymore. Now, there are exceptions to that in the sense that I suppose you could want to sell your house and somebody might want to know how much are you paying for water. Mm -hmm. um, some people will say stuff like that. I, I tend to make it easy on myself. And I, when I pay a bill, I put those bills into a, um, an accordion file where I have each month of bills. And then I keep that for a whole year just to make sure. And I very, very rarely, if ever, look at it. Mm -hmm. Frequently, I will go the whole year without looking at it. And then at the end of the next year, since I have two in rotation, I can just be like, those bills are completely done and they're ready to shred. Okay. That makes sense. And that's good. And I think, um, you know, I feel like with the house thing, selling your house, to me, that's one of those things where that might be really good to have, but is that really you know, is that you don't have to stress over that as much. You know, I mean, like realistically, if you have a couple of bills that you can average up or whatever, then you're going to be fine. On yeah, that. I think the other thing is when you, when you're going through all of your paper clutter, you really do need to realize how much is this costing me now versus how likely is it that I will ever need to use this information again? Yes. I mean, it's costing you psychic energy, if nothing else right mm -hmm. now, because there's so much of it and it's very, very, um, it just, it drains your energy because you don't know it's that big what if or that yep. big thing that's looming over your head. And there are lots of ways to, if you really need something to get the information again. And so you, you have to kind of weigh that in your mind. And if it's, for example, a bank record, you can call the bank and a lot of times get that stuff again if you have to. It might take you a trip to the bank and maybe one or two phone calls, but you could do it. Mm -hmm. And so, and the like, and then you just kind of say to yourself, okay, what is the cost benefit here? Right. I probably won't need that bank statement to begin with of a particular thing. So if it's, you know, and I'm talking more here, not the bank statements as much as say an ATM receipt or a deposit slip, something right. like that. Because once you, you can keep those things for just a little while, then it's going to be on your summarized bank statement. As long as they've gotten the amount from the deposit that you actually deposited, that it says on your deposit slip, that deposit slip is now completely useless because you've got a different piece of paper that much more or in a much more organized fashion summarizes exactly what happened. Yeah. And I think what, what I'm hearing you say is be aware of duplicates, like take advantage of the fact that a lot of these institutions, that they're the ones being audited on a regular basis, they are sending out very, um, you know, summaries, like you said, they're sending out summaries that have the actual information that you need. And when you get one of those, it can be a trigger to go, okay, I've got this in this nice, neat single sheet format now. So that's, you know, I don't need to keep these other things. Right. And so yeah. what I have, have worked through for myself and, and tried to figure out what, what's going to be the easiest way for people to deal with their paper on a regular basis. And like I said, I talk about the daily um, thing that you need to do to go through your paper as it comes in the door. And 
I feel that's exactly right. But I think the next step in that process is to then have something that you do regularly. And I don't like to deal with paper, but I find that if I do it every single week and I do it on Mondays, I don't know why, I guess because Mondays are bad anyways. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> today I'm going to pay bills and I'm going to deal with paper. I sit down and I've collected stuff over the week and it's not all bills. I do pay bills on Monday, but I also will collect things like um, the tax assessment that I just need to read and think about for a second mm -hmm. or um, whatever it is that comes in the mail of, of something. I've got to do something or I need to understand something and I don't look at it when it comes in that day. Um, other than to just know that it, it came in and that I put it in this pile of stuff that I go through on Mondays and then I just deal with those things. And that's when you can go through and throw away a bunch of stuff that you've collected over the course of the week or the month that no longer is needed because you did get the summary statement and you're like, oh yeah, so um, here's my deposit slip and it's right because they said I deposited $100 into the account and now it says it on the summary. I can put that in the shred pile. Oh, here's my receipts for the last, you know, 90 days. Well, it's the end of the month and I didn't end up returning anything. So all of those receipts for the last 30 days, I can just put those in the um, shredding pile as well because I just sit down and do it once a month and just or excuse me, once a week, I will do, I will sit down and do certain tasks and just do all my paperwork. And it takes about, depends how many bills I have to pay and what I have to do, but typically just about 30 minutes. That's, I think that's really, you know, I have my weekly tasks, which the, the point of them is to free this thing from my brain. It's like, if, such and such task is assigned to Monday. If laundry is assigned to Monday, then I don't have to worry about laundry Tuesday through, you know, Sunday. And it can just collect and it's not stressing me out because I know that Mondays is my day. So that right there, you're saying on Mondays, I deal with paper stuff. And so that means throughout the week, it can just sit there because you have a set time where it's like you kind of avoid that denial purposely. <laughs> <laughs> and go through things and look at it. So, you know, I like that. That's really good. No, I, yeah, it's exactly what I do. And I think the big purpose of the daily is to make sure the daily tasks is just to make sure that things don't just randomly get onto the dining room table that you don't know about. Right. So instead you're like, okay, I'm going to throw, go through this stuff. I'm going to throw away the junk mail right now, that type of thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed to look at this, but my brain can't handle it right now because I'm trying to fix dinner. And yeah. so I, I just go, okay, this goes in my pile and I just put it in with the bills because I'm going to go through each of those steps, each of those pieces of paper on Monday. Mm -hmm. And so that I can just worry about it on Monday and go, okay, apparently we got our tax assessment and our property is now worth this amount of money. I can put that in my brain. I can now put that in the file cabinet and I'm done with it. That's great. I love that. That's really good. Okay. Um, did, did you do three things that we can throw away easily or okay. did we get off track? Um, I don't know. I don't, I think we got off track. So okay, give me one more. <laughs> okay. Um, things that we can throw away easily. This is one of those things where some people just totally disagree with me and that's okay. But I do not normally keep owner's manuals anymore because most people have those on their websites now. Yeah. 
And so you can throw them away. I think, I mean, I'm, if you want to keep them great, but yeah, if they're stressing you out, I agree. That's kind of where I go to. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I can put this right here and it makes sense. It's logical. And then other times it's like, yeah, I don't know where to put this. I'll just look it up online if I need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't tend to go back to my owner's manuals. Now, I mean, there might be an exception to that. If I had a really, really expensive something or other mm-hmm. and I wanted to keep it. But I mean, I'm talking about like the the owner's manual for the thing that I bought at Walmart for $12. Right. So if it breaks, honestly, I'm just going to throw it away, get a new one because I don't want to fuss with it anyways. And if I don't want to fuss with the actual thing, why do I want to fuss with the owner's manual? That's a good point. That's really good. Okay. Tell me, um, I know there were some people who asked specifically about like tools, apps, or um, anything like that. Do you have any tools or I know I haven't seen it much anymore, but I used to see, I think it was called a neat scanner and it was specifically for like receipts and bills and things like that. What, are there any tools that you know of that are, are good for paper clutter management? Well, again, this is where we were, we kind of jumped into that right at the beginning where we talked about the, the allure of going paperless. And Mm -hmm. I think that there can be some nice things to be said for it. Because for example, if you've got to keep a lot of receipts for a business, honestly, you don't have to keep a lot of your receipts for personal life because nobody cares. The tax man doesn't care you know, nobody cares about it after you've paid your credit card bill off or it's, it's correctly on your credit card bill. So a lot of that stuff, we don't really need to keep a lot of the time. Um, but if you do have to keep stuff because all of a sudden it's a business expense or you're getting reimbursed through your employer for it, something like that, receipts are something where it can be very helpful to, um, take, take an emit put take a picture of it so I've just started using QuickBooks and one of the things that I am using that's for business so Mm -hmm. if you're not if if you're not doing business I wouldn't suggest QuickBooks but one of the opportunities that you have on there is you can take pictures of the receipts and then tag it to the um, then so you can throw away the actual receipt you have the picture of it and then you can somehow attach it to um, that particular entry. So you have the entry in there of, I bought, you know, this thing for $12 and um, here's the receipt. Here's the picture of it. It's an attachment. Now I can throw away the actual receipt and just have it within QuickBooks. Well, and something to consider there too is that um, a lot of receipts fade and will actually have nothing on them. I mean, if you, so it's almost like, I feel like the taking a picture of the receipt is not just to reduce paper clutter, but also because, um, you know, it, it ensures that I'll have that. Oh, absolutely. Especially with some of these. Um, yeah. I mean, I've gone back. I mean, I think anybody that's gone through paper clutter that's several years old will come Mm -hmm. across things like that. (laughs) You're like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing on there anymore. I know at one point that was a receipt and then yep. it's like dark purple and then it's light purple and then it's gone. Yep. So um, that's another really good point too. But I mean, most of the time I um, people I think stress about receipts a lot more than they should. Um, if you have, and that's where a weekly paperwork session comes in, like on the go when you are um, 
paying for things and then you are receiving things, you need to have something. I call it a receipt organizer, but it's basically just an envelope that you keep in your purse or you could keep it directly in your wallet that you collect those receipts in so that you know that you have them there when you're going to deal with receipts. It's kind of like the same idea as when you go and you get your mail and you put all your bills in one place so that on whatever day you pay bills that you can find the bills. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea with receipts. So you just collect them all week. And then if you're doing your weekly paperwork session, one of the things, the tasks that I do during that weekly paperwork session is I do pay bills. I go through other mail of things, whatever it is that I've got to do. Maybe I've got to fill out a form. Maybe I have to go online and do something. I just keep all that type of information, do it during my weekly paperwork session. I will also go through my receipts that I keep in my wallet. I have two different envelopes that I suggest if you have business expenses and you have personal expenses, but if you're just, some people just need the personal envelope. You just go through those receipts. A lot of them are going to be completely useless, or at least they will be. You might save them for up to 90 days just to make sure that that came out on your credit card okay for example so you know you paid at the gas station you know $25 worth of gas and you're kind of like I want to make sure that the gas station only charged me $25 on my credit card well and another thing along those lines too is you know for me I'm so big on just let me accept what's actually going to happen in my house and what's not going to happen and I accepted a long time ago that I was not going to do anything with gas receipts. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And so I started pushing no when they ask if you want a receipt. And, um, and, it, and it's like, okay, I just kind of let go of that and said, I'm sure it could, you know, whatever, but we're never, we've never gone back. You know, we've never done it. I mean, I'm, when I got my first car, my parents bought me because my parents are so much more organized than I am. Anyway, they bought me this little log book for every time I get gas that they used to use. And I was like, that's so neat. And I never one single time ever put anything in there. So, yeah, and yeah. that's a really good point. Um, I come from a, di- my dad had the log book too, and um, he, he loved doing it. He still right. loves doing it. He loves to tell you exactly what his gas mileage is. Um, but some, you're right. If you're not going to look at it, if it's not part of your routine, then don't worry about it because you would have to have a system set up that every time you got your credit card bill, you went through those receipts and you matched them up. I know right. people that do that. I used to work for a man when I was younger and he had me do it for him and he kept all his receipts and he would just keep them in an envelope and then when his credit card statement came in, one of the jobs that I had because he didn't enjoy it but he felt like it was important enough that he wanted to pay somebody to do it was to match up those receipts and make sure that they were the same. If that's not important to you, then don't keep the receipt because I feel like I can right. safely say that the vast majority of people listening to this podcast probably don't do that. But I bet you there are some of y'all who do, which is awesome. But here's and great. It's even easier than if you don't want to do that step. Like if you're okay with not matching those up. And I think there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I don't normally do that. I look through it and I just try to make sure on my credit card statement that there's, I know what all those things are. You know, sometimes there's weird names for a company on there and you're like, what the heck is that? And then you have to think about it for a minute, you know, because you maybe did it 25 days ago and you're like, well, that's not what I thought that was, but okay. But, um, 
but most of the time, if you're not going to worry about doing those receipts, receipts are really easy. You can keep them in this envelope, keep them for the 90 days, basically, that you might need to keep something. So in case you do want to make a return to a, a store, for example, right. you have it. But after 90 days, you can just grab the entire wad of new receipts and just put them right into the shredding pile. Right. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like that's a two second task. Like, well, it is. It, it, you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of the shredding pile, I know we're getting um, low on time, but I do have a couple questions I want to ask you, but you, you've mentioned the shredding pile several times. Yes. Um, and that was one of the questions I'm anyway, I'm not going to go find that specific question, but it was basically how important is it really to shred things? I think it's really important to shred things because I agree. identity theft is a real thing. And um, a lot of the paper is going to have a lot of information on it. I mean, it's going to have your account numbers and it's going to have your address and it's going to have your name and it's going to have enough stuff that somebody that wants to do harm could do harm to you. And it's a bigger pain to deal with identity theft than it is to do shredding. Here's the deal about shredding. A lot of people will, if you do a week, weekly paperwork session and you, you deal with your receipts and you file and you do all that stuff on a weekly basis, it doesn't take that long. Right. And you could even shred during that time. It's on when it gets hand, to be a huge amount and then you jam the shredder. Amount, <laughs> this is where I was like, people are like, oh, now I'm going to have to spend my time while I'm watching TV shredding. And you can do that. But here's the deal. Pay somebody to do it for you. I mean, you can, you can accumulate a whole box of shredding. And when you get a whole box of shredding, you can go to like Office Depot and a couple other places and say, I want this shredded. And you can watch them shred it in front of you. That's great to know. Well, and I know so, that a, a local bank, and they do not require you that you be a customer of that specific bank, but a local bank will have a shredding day where some big old shredding truck comes in. Another thing that we personally do is um, when my husband and boys go camping, I will send a box or a bag of paper for them to feed into the campfire. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, that works. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly, and I love those free shredding days. They had one of those really recently at, um, close to our house. And I was like, oh, Josh, we've got some stuff because sometimes you start going through a bunch of things and we have a shredder, but we don't keep ours plugged in. I think we probably could now. Our children are not so young that it, right. but it used to make me nervous to keep it plugged in all the time right? Um, because I didn't want them to try to put things through there, including their fingers. It just made me nervous. So we didn't have it plugged in all the time. Um, but my point is we would accumulate large amounts. And so those community shred days, those are great. I think you should definitely look for opportunities like that. You can mm -hmm. also, like I said, pay people. So for example, when you're starting to deal with not just your new paper clutter, but your old paper clutter, mm -hmm. you're not going to want to use a home shredder to deal with that because you're going to burn it out. I mean, you can only right. shred so much stuff before that motor gets really hot and it just stops for a little right. while. So that's the kind of situation where you just need to be like, I want to get rid of this stuff, but I want to be safe but this isn't going to be that hard. I'm going to just find a place that does it. And a lot of those office stores do it. Um, you can call a bank as well. They're going to have community shred days, but they'll also, if they don't do it, I mean, there's going to be somebody in town. I think if you just looked in a phone book or on the internet yeah. and you typed in shredding um, and where you live, 
you're going to find a company that would do it. And that's great. You just want to make sure whatever company you do it, a lot of them, what they do is they, they do it right in front of you so that you know that they're not just holding your material and sifting through it. But if they throw it right into this big truck that's shredding it right there, you know, it's just gone. Right. And, and then it's done. That's so awesome. it's, you should definitely shred things, but it's not going to be the ordeal that you think it's going to be. I think that's great. Okay. So I have a couple questions. Um, can, okay. Can you digitize the important papers? Are they just as legal or official digitally as they were when they were actual pieces of paper? Um, Lawyer Taylor. Well, this goes <laughs> into laws that I don't always know the answer to. I've, right. I would say to you, though, there are certain papers that you want to stay papers. Now, there are times when people, like, God forbid, if you have a house fire or something like that, papers are destroyed. So clearly nothing, nothing is so, you know, you can re-get another birth certificate, for example. I or, do that every time I need to find one. I just end up having to go get a new one. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you can do those things. On the other hand, I would, I tend for at least some things, and I do have those listed within my documents of things I think you should just keep. Um, I have that in that, in that blog post that I was telling you about. Okay. I would keep certain things and I would keep them in their regular form, knowing that if you have a house fire or something, you can get them replaced. But birth certificates, marriage license, divorce records, your will, a will probably actually in many states does need to be um, a physical document, mm -hmm. um, your passports, things like that. There are some actual documents that you have to keep as opposed to digitizing, or it's going to be a lot simpler if you ever need to use it because they're not going to say to you, uh, they're going to say, I want the actual original, you know, yeah. if you have to show it to somebody for some reason. So here's where I say that you might want to get you can use a safe deposit box. There's pros and cons to a safe deposit box. Um, one of the big cons is that it's somewhere else, so it's a big pain in the butt to get to. And also if, for example, for a will, if it's in your safe deposit box, obviously you're not going to need the will unless you want to change it until you die. Right. Once you die, Who's going to get into the safe deposit box? There's actually laws that say it can't be opened for a certain number of days because I guess some people in the way, way past maybe did something shady, like trying to switch wills around and stuff right. like that. So they made these laws. So it's actually harder to sometimes get into a safe deposit box when you need it because of laws that are trying to keep people from also doing kind of shady or fraudulent things. Yeah. So you know, for those couple of things, that might be where you want to invest in one of those small fireproof safes in your house, like okay. small, because we're talking not very many things like a birth certificate's not that big, you know, a passport's not that big, a will's not that big, and just keeping those things in um, a fireproof safe. That's good. Okay. I have another question here, which we kind of talked about because you did talk about saving credit card statements as long as they are, um, uh, as long as you have a balance. Okay. Yes. Um, so this is asking, is it okay? Uh, she was asking, are there any credit card statements that should be paper or can we switch to electronic? I would think that as if you're wanting to keep all it, because all of our stuff like that is electronic now. I mean, 
if it comes in a sort of PDF file or a screenshot or something like that, is that, would that be an option? Yes, it is. And so I have a love hate relationship with electronic data because it's obviously going to be really great for you to have a lot of that stuff come paperless. If paper is one of those things that just drives you nuts and you're just putting it down somewhere and you never find it anyways, because I love, for example, being able to go to my bank and look at the last, however many statements and not, and they're all just right there and they've organized them for me and I can just go see them. On the other hand, if you need stuff like that and it only goes back a certain number of months and you need the month prior to that, it's always the month prior to the one they have, right? Always, I mean, yeah. I don't know why, but you know, they only go through December and you need the one in November. Um, it gets really frustrating. So that's why I'm saying that paper clutter can be, um, digital clutter can also be an issue. Like you've got to actually go in there and actually make it do something to save your digital um, make sure you save that PDF that comes with the credit card statement. And then you've got to make sure that you are doing something to back it up somehow because yeah. everybody's computer dies at some point. Everybody has that story about their hard drive crashing and then right. everything being gone. So you, you've got to have now there's the cloud and you can put stuff in the cloud. Um, and that's great. But I mean, you have to just make sure that you've done it. Yeah. So that's why, again, I feel like some of this stuff is just adulting yeah. and <laughs> you're going to have to yeah. do something. What you got to do is figure out what is the smallest something you can do that's adequate. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. That's awesome. And the other thing I was going to say is um, as far as like checking to make sure you haven't been over, you know, keeping receipts to make sure you haven't been overcharged. To me, that's where the online thing comes in really handy. If you have an app specifically for that bank account or whatever, just to kind of, uh, you know, check pretty frequently. You know, I mean, I'm always checking my balance. <laughs> I just yeah. do that instead of balancing a checkbook. You know, I'm like always checking that account balance and going, okay, you know what? And then I, I look through there and go, what is this? And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, what is this? Something. And then I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do that all yeah. the time. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Cause it's not a name I think of. And then I have yeah. to, it's the, it's the number that finally triggers me to figure out what it really is. And that, the, oh, I haven't been, yeah. I haven't, nobody's stolen my credit card. I did that. <laughs> my husband has learned to be like, I'm just asking because I can't imagine what this is, but I'm just assuming it's something you did. Can I, can you try to figure this out? And, you know, anyway, he's great about, you know, being super calm about it, even though the first reaction is, what is this? You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah. you're right. If you, that makes it even simpler. And, you know, I'm talking about something about when I was, I don't want to date myself too much, but I, I guess I am, <laughs> but you know, 20 years ago, this is when I was having, this man was having me match up his paper receipts to his credit card statement. But if he could have just looked at it online every yeah. couple of days, he wouldn't have needed me to do that because right. he would have been able to see immediately, oh yeah, that's how much I paid or that's completely wrong or whatever. And yeah. could have probably saved himself a lot of money because he was paying me, you know, a salary yeah. to do this. Hey, you'll rat. take it, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're paying me to do it, I'll do it. But um, right. so you're absolutely right in that sense as well. So if you're worried about that, 
finding a better system to just check on it every couple of days, as long mm -hmm. as it's part of your habit that you're going to do, yeah. then it's perfectly fine. On the other hand, if it's something you never do, then you're like, well, let's be realistic. I never check my balance. So right. maybe I do need to have a different system because I don't do this particular. Right. Exactly. Thing. It's all what you actually are going to follow through in your normal everyday life. Okay. Well, yeah. Taylor, I have enjoyed talking to you and I think you've given some really great information that my people are going to love. So tell us again, just give us the one best place for people to go connect with you online, which will kind of lead them to where, whatever other places you've got. Well, um, I think the best place to look for me online is on Home Storage Solutions 101 because that's going to be the information that I think a lot of people that are listening are going to be interested in. It's okay. going to be all about decluttering and organizing um, specific things in your house. And from there, you'll be able to find me in the Declutter 365 Facebook group as well. Okay. Um, I have lots of links on the site to take you over there because we are chatting it up. There's um, 158,000 members currently oh. of that group <laughs> and we are having a good time and we're really supportive of each other as well. That's I mean, good. I guess every once in a while there's drama because you know, what would life be without a little drama? But right. typically we're just a pretty happy bunch that's happy to get rid of stuff and celebrate for each other when we do. That's good. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And again, this was podcast number 132. So look at aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and you can get the show notes there and I will talk to you guys next week. Okay. Bye.